Good morning and welcome. Thank you so much for being with us. My name's Craig. As I mentioned, I'm the senior pastor here and it really is our privilege for you to be with us. We're in the book of Acts chapter 9. If you want to go ahead and turn there, let me just give you a few things as you're turning. Uh, first of all, there are a lot of y'all here this morning. We had a huge crowd last Sunday uh, for Children's Sunday and there may be more of y'all than there were last week. So we're glad you're here. We're sorry that uh, it's hard to find a spot, but um, that's kind of what's happening. So uh, we're really thankful that you have, have chosen to be with us. As you're thinking along those lines, uh, for those of us, those of you that are, that are ours, let me just mention to you, your Refocus team finally is moving in a, in a, in a direction they feel confident in. Um, but pray for them. Uh, they'll be meeting again at some point in the next week or so. We got some things back. But pray for them because if you'll recall, less than a year ago when we began this whole process of trying to figure out where we were going to put everybody, we said we need a space to put 100 teenagers and 100 children. Um, and that was sort of the goal we were all moving in a direction of. Uh, I don't know what we had today. Last Sunday in worship, we had 80 children and 70 teenagers is how many that we had last Sunday. And we've got that many again today. So just... As you're, as you're praying for that team, trying to figure out what our next steps look like and how we make room for everybody, just know that one of the problems we're running into is y'all keep showing up and uh, affecting all of the plans. So uh, please keep showing up, but uh, at the same time, uh, we're, we're running out of ideas for exactly how to project what's going to happen uh, two weeks down the road, much less two years down the road. So y'all pray for them as, uh, as they continue to figure all of those things out and pray that the Lord will make a way. All right, a couple of things. Hey, we're trying our best to do lots and lots of communication electronically. Please read your emails. Please. It helps us a whole lot. A lot of work goes into those messages that are going out. But in there, you're going to find things about women's ministry. You're going to find things about our ESL ministry that has needs. Um, you would find information, for instance, about our tailgate fellowship that we're doing this afternoon. Uh, we'd love for you to come out. It is low-key. We will park over here. So why is it called a tailgate fellowship? Think about tailgating for a football game. That's what we do. We'll show up about 6 o'clock and hang out until you get ready to go home. So you're responsible for your own supper or whatever you want to bring. Or if you want to feed the whole world, that's your own business. But just come out. The kids will bring a ball and, and, and have a good time. And uh, we can just have some low-key fellowship. We, we started that during COVID when we weren't supposed to be inside around everybody and it was a big hit and didn't require a whole lot of effort. And so uh, we invite you, if you're a guest with us for the very first time, come on, we'd love to have you. It'd be a fun time. So, uh, but you can see other things that are listed in, in your uh, worship guide. If you don't get emails from the church, sign up for them online or call the church office and we will get those to you. But just know we are trying our best to communicate and to over-communicate. Uh, but uh, y'all got to help us out by like clicking that little box when it shows up in your inbox. If you just click it, all sorts of things will fall out and it'll be wonderful. But if you don't do it, we can't help. Well, anyway, you get the picture. All right. Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 23. I told y'all to turn and I didn't. It's really full in here, so I feel like some of y'all are a little nervous and like not to laugh. When I tell a joke that's that good, you really should laugh about it. It would help me out a whole lot. Stand with me in honor of God's word. We're going to read Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 23, and we're going to read through verse 31. Here now, for this is God's word. These are not my words. This is God's word. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. That's, that's Saul or Paul. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. 
and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when, he, when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would give us this ministry of encouragement. The encouragement or the ministry, Lord God, that you gave to Paul's friends, his peers, and, and in particular Barnabas. Make us Barnabas to the world around us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. How can you be an encourager in a world of negativity? I thought today that I really needed to have some really good graphics for you guys to get the sermon kick-started right. And so I, I was looking for, you know those inspirational posters? I was looking for one of those that was a nice inspirational poster about encouragement. And I found all, I found all kinds of posters about motivation and leadership and dedication and grit. I couldn't find one about encouragement. And the reason I, I wondered, and I suspect the reason I couldn't find one about encouragement is because we don't live in a world that values encouragement. We value getting ahead. We value stepping on whoever gets in the way. We value attacking and overcoming. But we don't really value encouraging. And yet, in God's Word, over and over and over again, we see pictures of those who are encouragers. I want to encourage you. See that? See what it did there? I want to encourage you today to be an encourager in this world of negativity. To be the kind of person that looks for somebody that you can build up. The Apostle Paul, I remember I told you last week I mess up. So he's still Saul. A little while later he's going to be Paul. Now he doesn't change um, his identity. More likely than not, just so you know, the reason that Saul's name changes from Saul to Paul is not as a result of his Christian conversion. More likely than not, Paul is more the Greek spelling or the Greek pronunciation of Saul's name. So in, in Hebrew culture, he was Saul among his friends. And when he went somewhere else, he was just Paul there in uh, the Greek-speaking areas. And so we've got Paul or Saul, same guy, um, here. And, and he finds himself... Remember being converted? Uh, and then the Bible gives us in verse 23, when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Now this many days, if we go back and sort of trace some things together in Galatians and in 1 Corinthians, this many days is, is, is three years. About three years passed, Paul tells us, before he went up to Jerusalem. So many days is three years passed in this time period. And during this time, the Bible says that some people plotted to kill Saul. Now we get some hints about why. They were watching the gates in order to kill him. Uh, but his disciples let him down. So what was happening? There was this desire we find in some other places um, on the part of the ruler of this area to have Paul killed. Now, why? We got to do a little bit of history. Just work with me. This is not going to be super. This, this matters just for a minute. Then we're going to get on into the, the sermon. But I want you to understand the background here. Um, Paul, the Bible says, after he was converted, for some days he was with the disciples, verse 20, immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues. Um, but uh, before all that, the Bible teaches us that he actually went down to Arabia. He, he gives us that information in other places. And when he went into Arabia, he went into an area that was controlled by uh, a different leader. And apparently Paul made some people angry. Now, he probably made people angry because he was preaching the gospel. The area of Arabia at least suggests that possibly where Paul went was somewhere toward Mount Horeb. 
Potentially what we have is Paul taking a spiritual pilgrimage that looks a lot like the same pilgrimage that Moses would have taken, that Elijah would have taken. In this period of time, after the Lord appears to him, Paul gets out of town and he goes and takes a spiritual pilgrimage. Now, if you know anything about Horeb, that's sort of the great holy site of holy sites for all of Israel. Imagine that Paul shows up among the Jews, and there he begins to proclaim the gospel. He's not making a lot of friends. And as he's not making a lot of friends, he's upsetting a lot of people to rule the area. So, you know what? I I need him taken care of. But he gets out of town, and he ends up back in Damascus. And the Bible says that some people found him, and they plotted to kill him. What probably happened right here is somebody leaked the word. Hey, we found Paul. We know you were looking for him. We'll hold on to him until you get here. Well, the Bible says that the Christians there, the brothers, the believers in that area, found out what was going on, and they threw Paul out of window to keep him safe. You need a friend like that who will find you in a difficult spot, will throw you out of a window to take care of you. Okay? Some of y'all want to throw somebody out of a window, but it's not for that reason, right? Folks, I want to ask you this morning, how can you be an encourager today in a world of negativity? With that background in mind, how can you be an encourager in a world of negativity? The first thing is you need to look for an open door. Look for an open door. Paul found himself in a predicament. Remember what I just told you? He made the wrong people angry, and as a result, they really, literally were looking to kill Paul. And we don't live in exciting times like this. Nobody's coming for me because I'm preaching about Jesus. Okay? Um, But Paul found himself making people angry, and now they wanted him dead. See, one of the privileges and opportunities as an encourager is to encourage people to do the jobs they've been called to do. When we think about what it looks like to be an encourager, it's important for us to be willing to be specific in our encouragement. Now, there's different ways to be encouraging, right? You can be the guy that's just like, hey, you did a good job living your life, or you're a good father, or you're a good husband, you know, you're a good person, and there's plenty of room for that. But we also need to be the kind of people who are willing to be very specific in our encouragement. Occasionally to pat somebody on the back and say, man, you're a really good accountant. You're a good engineer. You're a really good truck driver. You're good at all of those things. To patch your, and sometimes to get even more specific. I love to be able to grab my kids after a, a, a sporting event and to pat them on the back and to point out a particular thing that they did well. And if I can, I love to be able to point out something that wasn't athletic related that they did well. You know, I saw you strike out and walk back to the dugout like you were supposed to, and I'm proud of that. You know, I I saw you pick that kid up, and I'm proud of that. We need to try to be specific in our encouragement. Why aren't we more specific? It gets uncomfortable. Angela suggests I switch to decap, but I don't think that would be fun for anybody. Um, (laughs) We need to be willing to get specific in our encouragement. You say, Craig, where in the world are you going with that? The Bible says that they were ready to kill him. And in that moment, Paul's friends were willing to throw him out a window. Why were they willing to throw him out a window? They were let, let him down in a basket. Now, the Bible says they let him down in an opening in the wall. So what we have here is the idea there's a, there's a house built. So one of the walls of this house, wall, right? You imagine this is the city wall. So you got the house and the city wall. And there's a big hole cut in. There's a window that goes through the wall of the city. They find out that they're looking for Paul, and so they're like, hey, we got to get you out of town. Why did they kick him out? Because they were very specific in their encouragement to Paul. They didn't just say, you're a good pastor, you're a good preacher, you're a good missionary. They said, you're good at what you do. Now watch, let's get you out of here so you can continue to do that for which you have been called to do. They were willing to overcome the negative obstacles that got in the way of their encouragement. This was dangerous for them. 
This was challenging for them. If we're going to be people of encouragement, we've got to overcome those negative obstacles, those negative people that get in the way, those challenges that get in the way. Overcoming them doesn't always mean running through them. Sometimes overcoming them means running around them. When they found these people trying to kill Paul, they didn't arm themselves and run out into the streets and, you know, come take him by force. They were like, you know what? There's a job to be done. You've got work to do. Let's get you out of town so that you can continue to do that which you've been called to do. When's the last time you put your arm around somebody and say, God's called you to do something and he's gifted you to do it. You're wasting your time doing this thing. Go do the thing that you're good at. Paul, you'll do us no good dead or hiding out in this house. We need you to get busy about the things that God has gifted and called you to do. Overcome those negative obstacles. How in the world are we going to do it? We've got to be encouraging people. Do you know that encouraging people are happy people? Encouraging people are happy people. They're optimistic people. Now, I know some of y'all that are my theological warriors are going to get really uncomfortable when I talk about how happy you're supposed to be because y'all just see this moving into some sort of weird health and wealth sermon. We're not there, I promise. But I do want you to know this. I want you to know that there is a biblical expectation that followers of Jesus are happy and joyful. There is a biblical expectation that followers of Jesus are happy and joyful. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus and find it, within your ability to constantly be negative and sour, you need to re-examine your relationship with Christ. Period. Well, it's my job to make sure everybody does the right thing. Says who? Here's the problem. When we cherry-pick God's Word, we can find it within our ability to be just angry all the time because I'm protecting the church from all the ugly things or I'm doing this. Turn with me all the way back to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm number 1. Psalm doesn't actually have chapters. Psalm number 1. I mentioned this in a sermon a few weeks ago. The very beginning of Israel's hymn book. Right here. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Let's go ahead and read verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Blessed is the man. Do you know one other way to interpret that verse is happy or joyful? Do you know that that word doesn't require some gigantic theological definition or explanation? They, they, they literally, happy is the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord. If you claim to find your delight in the things of the Lord and you are negative and argumentative and sour and angry, explain to me how your life fits in accordance with Psalm 1. Oh, you can do it. You just can't do it in accordance with the Word of God, right? You can twist it around and make it say what you want. There's a biblical expectation that followers of Jesus are joyful and happy. God says that the person who lives his life according to God's standards, according to God's expectations, will be blessed, will be at peace or happy, joyful. When you live your life according to God's standards and expectations, you find contentment and joy. And folks, when you find contentment and joy, you find this desire to be contagious with it. Do you know many happy or joyful people that just want to hold it into themselves? They're constantly looking for ways to give it to other folks. They're willing to throw their best friend out a window if that's what it takes to get the job done because they are, what, encouraging him to get on. They're allowing their joy to be bigger than their comfort. Listen, 
They were scared for Paul, but maybe some of them thought we can hide him and everything will be okay. But here's what they realized. He's got a job to do. Let's get him out of town so that he can get busy about what he's done. Uh, We need to look for an open door or an open window or whatever it takes for us to be able to encourage somebody. Even if that means shoving them out the door because outside the door is the place where God has called them to be. Part of our responsibility as encouragers is to be honest about the callings that God's put on people's lives and then encourage them to get busy about doing it. How dare we be selfish and hold on to people when God's called them to something else? I had somebody tell me just recently, so you know what the, the worst thing about your kid going off to college is? I said, well, they, they, he said, they leave and go off to college. He said, well, the, other, the best thing about them going off to college is they leave and they go off to college. He said, you know, there, there's, there's an option, right? It would be worse for them not to leave and go find what it is that God's called them to do them for them to stay in your house. Now, look, mine's going to leave and go off in a few years, and I'll just be a sobby mess. And y'all are going to be like, remember, Craig, it's good for them to leave. And I'll be like, just leave me alone. But we know that's true, right? We want to see them. we got to be willing as encouragers to be pushing people with joy and excitement. Go do it. Find an open door. Second thing this morning, find a friend. Paul was encouraged by some of his friends who ran him out of town, which is really awesome. Um, uh, they, they threw him out the window. But after that, Paul got on his with got on with his mission, he headed to Jerusalem. Now, we don't know, the Bible doesn't give us this narrative of Paul's thought process, but I want you to imagine Paul, um, he's, he's been converted on his way to Damascus. Remember, he left Jerusalem with a letter from the chief priest, he's converted there, the Bible says that the Lord appears to him and things get crazy, he gives his life to the Lord, he begins to be discipled, then he begins to preach the gospel, but every town he goes into, they're like, oh, you're Paul, and we don't like you. He'd go into the synagogues, and he'd preach, and they go, we don't like the message. And they send him out, and they throw things at him, and they try to kill him, and all this other crazy stuff. Well, he finally gets out of Damascus, and he's on his way. And I just can't help but think that maybe there was something inside of Paul that says, I'm kind of going home right here. Maybe there's something inside of Paul that was sort of optimistic. All right, well, the Lord saved me. There's two groups of people that I'm pretty excited to go see. First of all, I'm going to the headquarters of this church that I've been serving now for 30 years. And I can't wait to meet the apostles when I get there. They're going to be so excited for what God's doing outside of their circle. They're going to be so excited for the way that God saved me. And I can't wait to tell them all about it, that God just struck me blind. And there's this Ananias guy. And I'm just, oh, I can't wait. Then... Maybe he thought, you know what? All these other Jews have run me out of town. But when I get to Jerusalem, they're going to be guys I went to school with. They're going to be people that I know. And when I get there, I'm going to finally find somebody who's willing to listen to what I have to say. Maybe they won't agree with me, but surely my friends will at least listen But instead, Paul walked into a fight. I love old westerns. And so um, when uh, the the, the shootout at the OK Corral happened, we had, you know, Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp. But one of the the big western names that wasn't there was Bat Masterson. And uh, what you don't know, maybe, is the reason Bat Masterson was not in Tombstone during the fight at the OK Corral. He and Wyatt Earp had been lawmen together in Dodge City. And turns out that, um, that when things started getting crazy in Tombstone, uh, Wyatt Earp sent, at this time we were telegram and telephone, so he sent a message, telegram, to Bat Masterson in Dodge City. He said, things are kind of dicey here. I could stand it if you would show up to help me out. 
And so Bat Masterson got there as quick as he could, and he spent some time in Tombstone. But shortly before the fight at the OK Corral, Bat Masterson's brother was also a lawman in Dodge City. And he got a telegram that said that somebody had put a price on his brother's head. And so Bat Masterson jumped back on a train and went back to Dodge City to care for his brother. When he stepped off the train in Dodge City, he literally walked into a gunfight when he stepped off the train. That's what the life that he was. He stepped off the train and was immediately fighting for his life. He went there to try and take care of somebody, but when he got there, everybody was trying to kill him. Folks, Paul shows up to try and take care of some folks. When he gets there, he doesn't have a friend anywhere. Do you realize this? The Jews are terrified of him, or excuse me, angry at him, and the Christians are terrified of him. It says what? They did not believe that he was a disciple. News didn't travel quite as fast in the ancient world as it does today. They didn't have the internet to be able to see the videos of Paul standing up and preaching. They didn't have any of those things. It was just hearsay back and forth, gossip if you would. And so when he got there, the Jews were mad at the message that he proclaimed. And the apostles did not trust him. He walked into a fight. Verse 27, but Barnabas. Now my favorite two words in the Bible is but God. Because when you see that, things are about to get wild. The Lord's fixing to turn everything upside down. But Barnabas is pretty awesome too. We know this about Barnabas. Barnabas was an encourager, literally the son of encouragement. That's the nickname that they gave him because he was so good at what he does. We got some folks in this church that are really awesome encouragers. Uh, none of y'all are quite to the level that I've changed your name in my phone to son of encouragement. But that's where Barnabas was. And the Bible says that Barnabas showed up. And look, it says, but Barnabas took him. Barnabas was a respected believer among the brothers. He was looking for those who need him, needed him, and he took him. Now, we can take a little bit of liberty with the language right here. That word took in the Greek language can mean literally by force. That possibly Barnabas walked over and grabbed him and said, You idiot, you're fixing to mess this whole thing up. Now, let me fix this for you. Now, maybe he didn't use that strong word. I don't know, but he might have just shaken him. Paul, you're fixing to get yourself killed or arrested. Come on, I will fix this for you if you will just stop. Look at this. We need to be willing to seek out those who need to be built up. Seek out those who need to be built up because sometimes the encouragement they need is not just a pat on the back that says, good job. Sometimes the encouragement they need is, stop, listen, let me fight for you. Do you know that Barnabas put his neck on the line for the Apostle Paul? Barnabas said, look, y'all don't trust him, fine. You trust me, and I'm telling you this man can be trusted. Can I encourage you to not sit around and wait for somebody who needs encouragement to come up and find you? Look for that person. Listen, there's about 780 of y'all in here this morning. That's an exaggeration. That's supposed to be funny. Um, but no, there's a lot of y'all in here this morning. Okay? Look around. There's somebody that's a guest here this morning for the first time or the second time, and they don't need you to sit around and wait for, for them to walk up and be like, hey, can you help me get kind of figure out how to fit into this place? There's somebody here that you know, and you need to just grab them around the neck and say, look, let me show you how you can get plugged in. Craig's talking about those emails. Let me show you how you can get those emails. Something ridiculously simple like that. Sometimes they're going to need you to 
put your arm around them and bring them to another believer and say, this is, this is John. And he's excited about the Lord, but he's just brand new here. Would you, would you get to know him and spend some time with him? Would you do that? The Bible says that Barnabas put his neck out there. Find that person that you can be a Barnabas to. Some of y'all, and I'm, I'm not me and me, okay? So let me just be honest. Some of you are sitting around waiting for somebody to come up to you and be like, can you help me? Do you know how awkward that is to walk up and say, can you help me? Do you know how much easier it is for you to be the one that would handle the awkward part and say, can I help you? Can I, can I walk with you? Can I introduce you to somebody? Can I be that advocate for you? The second thing, though, this morning I, I, I want to see kind of in that same idea is that when you're struggling to be that joy-filled Christian, let me encourage you to be willing to seek out those friends who will build you up and make you better. Do you know that it's not wrong for us to look at our brother or sister in Christ occasionally and say, I'm really having a tough time and I need you to walk with me right now. Look, I got shoved out the window a while back and things were going okay, but I landed kind of hard. I need you to walk with me. We are called to have this ministry of encouragement and building one another up. The church is never to be a place filled with gossip and backbiting. Side note, it's also not to be a place filled with negativity about gossip and backbiting about things that happen outside the church. Okay? This has been one of the ugliest things that's happened in recent years within the church is that somewhere along the way people have begun to think that it's okay to talk trash about the things that happen outside the church. And, and, and we've done away with civility. We've done away with respect. We've done away with so many things. We've allowed the church to even become so politicized. And I, I don't necessarily even use that word. Let's just say divided against the culture. That rather than looking at the culture as those who have been created in the image of God that are in desperate need of redemption, that we see them as an enemy that are in need of being overcome. But for grace, there go we. And we have this responsibility within the church to not be trashing those outside the church, but to be going to them, reaching our arms out and bringing them with us. Be the kind of people who are willing to be encouraging and find a friend. Now, when I say that this morning, I want to make sure I'm very clear what I mean. There are two kinds of ways you can find a friend. First off is to find that friend like Barnabas did that's in desperate need of help and walk with them. Sometimes the only thing you're going to do is walk with them, and that's okay. You ever had somebody that was just willing to walk with you in a hard time? How comforting was that? How helpful was that? Also be willing to be that person that seeks out a friend when you need that friend. The third thing this morning, lean into the Holy Spirit. Lean into the Holy Spirit. The disciples run on down to um, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. The disciples found strength and comfort in the Holy Spirit. How? How do you find strength and comfort in the Holy Spirit? I practice in spiritual disciplines. I know that's a word that maybe is not familiar to all of you, so let me just break it down real easy. Spiritual disciplines include those things that you would do to grow closer to the Lord. Reading your Bible, praying, fellowshipping with other believers, attending worship on a regular basis. Those are the kind of spiritual disciplines that we need to be majoring in. And, and, and folks, listen to me. Reading your Bible it doesn't have to be hard. 
You, it's okay. So you, you're like, I, I can't, I don't feel like I understand it all. That's all right. Understand a little bit at a time. Work your way through it. You say, I'm not a fast reader. Okay, you don't have to be. Read it slowly. That's all right. I don't like to read. Just get over it. <laughs> or, here's a crazy thought. Download one of those audio Bibles on your phone. It'll read to you when you drive down the road. Okay? There's like a million of them. All you got to do is just go to the app store on your phone and put in audio Bible, and it will just pop up. They're free. Now, if you want to pay extra for the one where James Earl Jones is reading it to you, then go for it. You know? I don't because I struggle with jealousy when I hear his voice. I'm like, that's, you know, if I preach that way, just imagine, you know? Lean into the Holy Spirit. Lean in. You can't give others what you don't have. The Holy Spirit comforts you so that you can comfort others. I can't give you money that I don't have. I might tell you. When Angela's dad uh, was battled Alzheimer's toward the end of his life, and um, uh, he never forgot her. He almost never could call me by the right name, but I, I wasn't ever sure that that was the Alzheimer's and so much as just like what a father-in-law does just to get back at me. I was always Greg, and I was just so grateful for that. Um, but one of the things that he did was every time I, I, I'd go visit him, he promised me money and, and it, 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 every time. He said, did you get that check yet? I said, I hadn't gotten it yet. There's a $100,000 check on the way. I said, brother, I am so excited. I can't wait. Well, he, he, you know, he could tell me, but here's the deal. He, did, he didn't have a... He didn't have the ability to write me a $100,000 check, but he promised it to me over and over and over again. He couldn't give me what he didn't have. You understand? He couldn't give me what he didn't have. Some of y'all hear this message like, I want to be an encouragement. Great idea. But the problem is you're just a negative Nancy everywhere you go. Let me tell you something. You can't give somebody encouragement that you don't have. You say, but Craig, I don't know how to get there. I'm just negative all the time. Like, some of you just need to look in the mirror and be honest about it, right? You're hearing this, and you're, yeah, that's a great idea. But back in your mind, you're going, ah, this, this doesn't apply to me. Now, you don't call yourself negative. Let me use a word that you use. I'm a realist. Okay? Let me tell you what realists are. Negative, okay? Because a realist says, these are all the reasons that we can't do that. And then when they're like, man, you're so negative, they go, no, I'm just counting the cost like Jesus told me to. And I'm like... All right, Jesus also said, like, hey, we're going to go and spread the gospel around the whole world. And he looked at this loser named Peter and said, I'm going to build a whole church-wide movement on you. Tell me how he counted the cost at that point in time, you know? I mean, it's, some of you need to look in the mirror and just get real honest and say, yes, I am negative all the time. That's who I am. People don't come to me for encouragement. They come to me for the truth. And I give it to them, and I give it to them gladly. You are ugly, and yes, those pants look fat on you. Some of y'all are laughing way too hard. <laughs> Listen, you can't give somebody what you don't have. The Bible says that the, the, the apostles, what? The church was strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Folks, listen to me. When you spend time in the things of the Lord, it changes you. It changes you. Let me back up. He changes you. The Holy Spirit strengthens and comforts you. The Holy Spirit does a work of transformation. And when the Holy Spirit gives you joy, 
it begins to leak out. The reason that you become an encourager is not necessarily because you've got the supernatural gift of encouragement. It's because you become so joy-filled with the things that the Lord has done for you that people get around you and you just can't help but sort of leak it all over them. you just got to tell somebody what's going on in your life. Like, why are you happy all the time? You say, why wouldn't I be happy? I was a sinner bound for hell. I deserved absolutely nothing that God's given me, and here he has restored my life and given me hope for all of eternity. Why wouldn't I be happy? Folks, I can't give you the encouragement of the Lord that I don't have, and I can't inspect to be an encourager that the world needs. I said inspect. I can't expect to be the encourager that the world needs me to be unless I'm spending time with Jesus. And you can't expect to be the encourager that the world needs you to be unless you're spending time with Jesus. Which brings us to our fourth and unnamed point. I called it conclusion in my notes, but if I say that, y'all are going to think we're almost done and we're not. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now look, if I hadn't put that scripture verse up there, some of y'all would have never really figured out that that came from the Bible. Because y'all would have been like, yeah, look at that guy, spouting off all those encouraging things. But here's the deal. This is what God's expectation is for us. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of Christ. No, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is God's expectation. This is why Psalm 1 connects so closely with the gospel of Jesus. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor sits in the way of sinners, nor stands in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. This is where we get it. Rejoice always. There is no exception in God's word for you to be sour and negative and mean-spirited. This is not about some word of faith movement. This is about the expectation that God's given us in his word. The church of Jesus Christ should be known more for what we are for than what we are against. That doesn't mean that there aren't things that we stand against. Of course there are. There are things that the Lord is against and we are against those things. But He is for us. And because He is for us, we are for Him. And we are interested in loving the world beyond our walls so that we may see them brought into the kingdom of God. We are interested in loving our brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's so why one of our key commitments here at Malvern Hill is that we would love one another. Love God. Love others. Change the world. That loving others part is wrapped up in this ministry of encouragement. And Jesus thought that it was so important that when he was asked about the two greatest commandments, he said, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
And then he kicked everybody in the shin. You remember? Well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus says, oh, I'm glad you asked. Turns out your neighbor is the person you despise the most. That one's your neighbor as well. It turns out your neighbor is the person who is just as different as you could think they could be. That's your neighbor as well. But Jesus, I don't want to love that person. I'd rather tell them how wrong they are. <laughs> There's a major problem. Jesus says, love them. That doesn't mean that you always agree. But you can love them. You can be an encourager, a person that builds others up. How can you be an encourager in a world of negativity? Before I answer that question, watch this. Is there anything that helps us to stand out more in the world we live in today than to be people who are filled with joy and encouragement? I mean, honestly. Turn on the TV. The only reason there's any joy on TV today is because college football season has arrived. Right? Right? You got to go to ESPN to find anybody happy. Everybody else is angry all the time. And they're only happy right now because the real football hadn't actually begun. By next week, somebody's going to be angry on there too. Man, we're just looking for reasons to be mad. And I think the thing that's troubled me so much of late is to see people who claim the name of Christ who are finding large national platforms to scream and yell about how unhappy they are with everything in the world. And then to see the church of Jesus Christ shaped more by cable television than it is by the gospel of Jesus Christ. To see people getting more theology from the internet than they are from God's word. Part of us being different is to be these people that are living out this ministry of encouragement with the world around us. But how can you get there? First thing, look for that open door. Look for it. In other words, find a way to be an encourager. Do you have somebody that's just in a bad place? Look for the way that you can push them in a direction that is positive for their life. Find it. Maybe you got to grab them by the hand and pull them, but get them there. Paul's friends found a window and a basket. They said, well, this might not be what we're looking for, but it's better than nothing. Get in the basket, Paul. You imagine, whoa, 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 wait, what do you mean the basket? Whoa, whoa, no, no. Get in the basket, Paul. In the basket he goes, and out the window he, he, he descends. Maybe there's somebody standing at that window going, Go, hurry, go, go. There's work to do, Paul. Find that door. Shove somebody out. The second thing, find a friend. Find a friend. Be a Barnabas. Go grab that person that needs encouragement. Jack them up if you have to. Man, you're fixing to mess this up. Just keep your mouth shut. I am going to tend to this. Y'all ever had a three-year-old or a four-year-old or a 15-year-old? Um, 25-year-olds do the same thing. Every, every once in a while you look at your kid and you're like, if you'll just quit talking, everything else will be fine. Right? Please stop. Please stop. No one's in trouble. Of course, Angela looks at me sometimes and says, please stop. Nobody's in trouble. Just, just quit talking. Just Listen. I can't help but believe that Lazarus might have done that to Paul. Just, just quit talking. Just listen. Nobody's in trouble. We're all still upright and breathing. I think I can fix this, but I just, they don't trust you. Let, let me just, let me go talk to them. Sometimes you might need to find that person, put your arm around them and say, let, just walk with me. There's hope for you. 
There's some men in here that know some men that you need to put an arm around their neck and say, your marriage is not finished yet. There's still hope if you'll just hush and listen. Let me encourage you. Ladies, you know somebody that you just need to go and put an arm around them and say, let's go get coffee and will you just hush and listen? You don't have to waste your marriage today. You can... You can actually see this thing redeemed and resurrected if you just listen. Let me encourage you. Stay the course. You've all got your stories, your experiences, your situations. But go grab somebody up and encourage them. One of my favorite things to do is make teenagers cry. Because it's so easy. The only ones of y'all that are laughing are the ones that haven't done it yet. Let me tell you how easy it is. I get about this close to them. And I look them right in their eye. I say, I am proud of you. I'm excited for what's happening in your life. The ones that don't cry, they do this. They try to walk away. I kid you not, I will grab... 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old kids by the shoulders. I have even occasionally, I probably shouldn't do this because it's going to get read wrong, reached up and just grabbed their face. Look at my eyes. I'm proud of you. And their eyes fill with tears. I don't even know how many times I've done that now. 20, 30, 40. Guys, girls. Why? Because they live in a world that is constantly tearing them down and there's nobody looking them in the eye and telling them that they're doing okay. There's nobody encouraging them. You know the only reason I don't have a whole bunch of grown men sobbing on my couch is because they won't maintain eye contact long enough with me. And some of y'all are laughing because it makes you uncomfortable and nervous, but the truth is this. You've been told for so long that you're nothing. You got nothing. You can't be anything. And in Christ, all the riches of heaven are laid out before you. You're a child of the king. For goodness sakes, we as the church, we're not looking at our brothers and sisters and telling them how great they are and how much we love them. We're tearing them down. Grab somebody. And don't let go of them until you have made them uncomfortable enough in all of your praise toward them. Yesterday, I, I, I sent somebody a text message to talk about somebody else. I said, man, this guy's doing a great job at this. You know what I then do? I took a screenshot of it and sent it to that guy. I said, here's what I'm saying about you to other people. Some of y'all are doing a good job at this. We got to get better, though. Find a friend. Put your arm around them. Tell them they're doing a good job. And then finally this morning, lean into the Holy Spirit. You can't give somebody what you don't have. 
The encouragement that a lot of people need is encouragement from this word. You can't share this word with them unless you know this word. So in conclusion, we come all the way back around to where we were just a minute ago. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's not a feel-good prosperity message. Those are, God, those are God's words through the Apostle Paul, and they are for you and for me. God doesn't give us a choice. There's an expectation that the joy of the Lord will be our strength and that it will be contagious with the world around us. So the invitation is simple this morning. Some of you don't know the Lord and you have no joy in Christ because you don't know him. Please listen to me. I'm not judging you for that, and nobody here is. Instead, we're giving you an invitation. Today can be the day of your salvation. There is no joy for those who don't belong to Christ. There, there, there's no hope for you in all of eternity. But there is laid up for those who belong to Jesus a heavenly reward. There's forgiveness for you and freedom. And it comes in the person of Jesus Christ. Yes, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But Jesus Christ died to take our punishment so that we might be saved. I invite you today. Come and receive Jesus as your Savior. Don't wait. In a room this size, there's several of you that don't know the Lord Jesus. But you're nervous, you're scared, you're prideful, you don't want to admit it. Listen, I'm grabbing you right now as a friend and encouraging you. Trust Jesus today. Don't wait. The second thing, there's some of you today who have bought the lie that somehow or other you can follow Jesus and not be filled with indescribable joy that leaks out to the world. That you've bought the lie that somehow or other you're supposed to be the realist within your family or your church or your friend group. When the truth of the matter is that you are to be rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances. And today, you just need to pray that the Lord would forgive you for not being true to His will of God. To His will for you. Today you'd commit to living a life of joy and encouragement. However it is that the Lord's at work in your life, please, as we stand and sing, please be obedient to the Lord. He's brought you here for a reason today. He's brought you here because he has work to do in your life. Please allow the Lord to work. Stand with us this morning. Father in heaven, I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for Jesus who's enough and for the joy that comes through the cross of Christ. Thank you for the lives that have been and continue to be changed here. And Lord God, I, I, I pray for that person who's here today who doesn't know you. Maybe, Lord God, a person who hasn't attended church in a long time. Father God, perhaps somebody who's been turned off to church because they've experienced negativity. But Lord God, today I pray that that person would come face to face with their sin.
find hope in their Savior. Well, God, I pray that today would be the day that person would come and make Jesus their Savior. Be with us as we sing in Christ's name. Amen. Sing with us.